Hi, I'm Alex. And I'm Ellen. And you're listening to our podcast, Uniquely Portable Magic, where we talk about all things books. This week, we are talking about The Book of Life, uh, which is book three in the All Souls trilogy um, by Deborah Harkness. Um, And this book really brings, you know, the whole, obviously, it's the end of a trilogy, so it brings the whole trilogy to a close. But is it is it really a trilogy? Because I think we've come to the conclusion that every other time we look at the series, it's either a series or a trilogy. Also so true. So it's very confusing. We're not positive. It feels kind of like an ending, but I could also see some, some, some room for it to not be an ending. Um, Which you'd totally be okay with. Which I would be absolutely one ten one, I was gonna say one ten south south. Oh my god, <laughs> one ten thousand percent uh, okay with, which doesn't make any sense. But you know, that's what I was gonna say. Um, so, uh, spoiler alert: we will be talking about this book in depth. So if you haven't read it and you don't want any spoilers, pause now, go read it, come back. Please talk to us about it. Because I don't know about you, Alex, but I really have a lot I want to talk about. <laughs> um, speaking of all of that, though, I want to know, Alex, who your favorite character was. So I actually had two favorite characters this time around. Oh and God, I really same. just couldn't decide between the two. So my favorites were Fernando and Chris. I oh, just, okay. yeah. So more supporting characters, but I just loved that they were both like such strong, passionate men, but also, and like very powerful, but also super sensitive and supportive and caring. And they just both had such amazing, great qualities and they were both so supportive of critical characters when they needed Mm -hmm. it too, um, that... I I just loved them. Okay. How about you? Well, it's really funny that you say that because I also had two favorite characters, um, one of whom was Fernando. Oh, okay. <laughs> I just adored him. Um, I loved, for many of the same reasons that you said, he is supportive and caring and yet firm and powerful and protective and all of those wonderful things um and then my other favorite character was also my favorite character for basically the same reasons um and it was gallo glass who i know was your favorite in the second book Mm -hmm. um because like i said he's my favorite for all of those same reasons um and i'm also a sucker for someone who's experiencing unrequited love Mm. and I, what I loved about his unrequited love, though, is that he did not expect anything from Diana, right? We find out he's in love with her, and even then, he knows that now that she knows, there's still no chance for him. Like, he's not trying to push his luck. He's not trying to steal her away in the night. Like, he respects that she has made her decision, and he knows that the feelings that he's having are all just on his end of it. And so he's not going to, you know, pressure her or change how he acts around her now that she knows it. Like, because it's not her fault, right? So I was mm-hmm. like, oh, 
yay for non-toxic masculinity, right? Like, <laughs> I was... Yeah, I think that was a big part of why my favorite characters were my favorites, was you really just saw so many great qualities in these mm-hmm. amazing male characters, and it wasn't just about them being strong and manly and, you know, all the positive qualities that we attribute to men these days in our society, but also everything else that is good (laughs) about a human, even though only one of them was human in the the book. Of your favorites, yeah. Right, yes. Yes. And you just are loving vampires apparently apparently yeah i'm all i'm all not to say that i didn't also have other characters that were like right up there but those two definitely were um the standouts for me um Mm -hmm. so favorite part did you have one did you have a couple so do you have a favorite theme (laughs) no mine was actually a favorite part this time great um i don't know if it was actually my favorite part versus a thank goodness this finally happened about time part. <laughs> okay. Um, and so that's why it became my favorite part was when Diana finally accepted her magic and let go of her fear. Yeah. Because I was getting I was just getting so frustrated with her, the fact <laughs> that she continued to hesitate and not fully embrace who she was. And you couldn't really tell, like, why she kept hesitating, why she kept having the same problems over and over again. Right. um, Until she realized what was holding her back. And then as a reader, you also, I mean, maybe you had figured out that it was her fear that was, you know, stopping her from everything. But I, that was not something that was fully obvious to me until she herself realized it um got it but i was like thank goodness because (laughs) i like diana but i'm getting very frustrated with her and she just needs to accept and embrace herself and her magic and her powers which is extremely hypocritical of me because i say that of her and yet i know i don't fully embrace and accept myself, but no, <laughs> I expect it's so easy all to say others, about other people. Though. I know, I expect all others to do that. It's just okay if I don't. It's fine, right? Of course. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yes. So that was mine. How about for you? So my favorite part um, was when they finally brought Chris into the mix um, with the studies that they were doing and then Mm -hmm. you get that whole part where he they're at his lab and you're meeting all of his research students and I just like I mean I loved Chris also like he could have very well I figured two favorite characters were enough because really I could have had like a handful of favorite characters in this book Mm -hmm. um but like I adored him but I loved that he gave all of his research students like funny nicknames Uh, like pop culture nicknames. I thought that was brilliant. Um, I loved the back and forth between him and Miriam. Um, And I just loved sort of the the science-y part of my brain loved like the questions he was asking, the fresh take he was bringing to the situation. 
Uh, it was awesome to see Matthew sort of back into that teaching role again. Um, so I just love that whole scene. Like I, I, it was a nice breath of humor and sort of, it wasn't like, the super darkest parts of this book because <laughs> those came later. Um, but like it was like a breath of fresh air in sort of already a, a kind of tumultuous period of the book. And so it was really nice to have sort of a period of time that was just funny and refreshing and and um, not quite as heavy as the rest of mm-hmm. the book. So... Nice. So that's that. <laughs> I don't know what I was going to say after that. Um, Alex. Ellen. Did you have a favorite quote? I did have a favorite quote. So my favorite quote is when Chris is talking to Jack about um, just like how to deal with his demons and his blood rage and Mm -hmm. he talks about his um his nana and his cherokee heritage yes and he says nana betts said the wolf who wins is the wolf you feed the evil wolf feeds on anger guilt sorrow lies and regret the good wolf needs a diet of love and honesty spiced up with big spoonfuls of compassion and faith so if you want the good wolf to win you're going to have to starve the other one. Yes. And I just, I loved how all of that was described and explained. And it was just a good reminder to myself, too, mm-hmm. about how, like, if you want to try to not let your anger win or your sadness or you know, anything that you're trying to work on, you have to, like, feed your body with whatever it is you're trying to do. You can't just keep going on the way you are and expect something to change automatically. Yeah. Right? Um, Absolutely. So, I don't know. I just, I really liked it. (laughs) That's funny that you, that, not, it's not funny that that's your favorite quote. Interestingly, that was one of my notes later is it's that that's a proverb that I've seen before, you know, which wolf wins the one you feed all of, you know, that whole proverb. And so it was really cool to see it in here. Um, yeah. And I also mm-hmm. enjoyed that very much. Um, so what about you? Favorite okay. quote, favorite quotes, plural? Yeah, you know me, it's plural. <laughs> I think there've been very few episodes so far where I've had, only one or two, but it happens. <laughs> um, but mine are all short. They're all like basically just big one-liners. Um, okay. I do love and, a good one-liner for sure. <laughs> um, and f- oddly enough, not oddly enough, it's funny because they're all like closer to the end of the book. Okay. Um, so the first one comes when... Um, uh, Fern- actually, and this is also part of the reason that I figured out that Fernando was one of my favorite characters, because like two or three of my quotes are from him. <laughs> really? Okay. Yeah. And so I was like, clearly, I'm really enjoying this character because mm-hmm. this is what's you know keeps coming uh, to here to me. 
what am I, what am I trying to say? So the first one comes when uh, they found Jack and they've, uh, I don't think they've quite taken him to New Orleans yet. No, they haven't, right? Because Fernando's still with him. And Jack is talking about, he accidentally almost calls Diana his mother. And he's like, oh, I shouldn't call her that. She's not my mom. She's not my blood. And Fernando says to him, blood may speak loudly, but I always prefer the tales told by the heart. Um, and I thought that was beautiful, just, of course, in the context of the story. But, like, I have a big mixed family. You know, I have two technically stepsisters, and all of my brothers are technically half-brothers. But, like, that doesn't mean anything to me. Like, they're all just my brothers and sisters. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I also have many friends, you included, Alex, that I Aww. consider family. Um and so, like, that just, it just really spoke to me because, yes, of course, family is your blood, but it also is the people that you choose to have in your life. And mm-hmm. um, I just thought that was beautiful. Yes, um, you let a lot of people into your family. I mean, love is where it's at, you know? Like, it just, you know, there's always more room for love. Like, that's, you know, people talk about it sometimes, like, it's finite and you know it's you know like I think back to like when we were kids and we'd be like who's your best friend and we're like you can only have one best friend and it's like that's bullshit like there's always Mm -hmm. more love in there you can have multiple best friends you can have multiple friends that are so close that they're siblings you know like it's just that's baloney (laughs) (laughs) um so that was my first favorite quote. Uh, my next one is also Fernando, although he's paraphrasing something that Hugo told him. Hugh told him, not Hugo. Why did you call him <laughs> Hugo? Uh, I don't know. That's really funny. Have you been calling him that this entire... I think there's a very good chance that I've... Even though I know it's Hugh, I'm pretty sure I've been calling him Hugo in my head. That's really funny. Anyways... <laughs> So we write, we find out that Fernando was Hugh's mate. That's so weird. Whatever. Um, and then, of course, you know, Hugh is dead. And so Fernando has been sort of attached to the de Claremonts, but not, like, part of them. And he's just sort of been in limbo for this long time. Mm-hmm. Um, but so he's talking again to Jack. But this time he's talking to Jack um, and he's telling him to relay this to Matthew when Matthew forgets, um, because it's something that Hugh used to tell him, um, mm-hmm. and, it, and it's, if you truly love someone, you will cherish what they despise most about themselves. Um, and I thought that was, yet again, just so beautiful and so true, right? Like, when we love people in the truest sense of the form, you know, whether it's romantic, familial, whatever, we're there to help them through their issues and their what they perceive as shortcomings and what they might despise about themselves and we're there to help them through it or even to just be there while they feel it and let them know that we still love them anyways and so I was like that's really beautiful I teared up a little bit you know there's that (laughs) so then my next love it quote yet again, was a Fernando quote. (laughs) And I was 
was yeah like, i'm glad you were able to determine that he was one of your favorite characters <laughs> right it was it was the time it was by the time that i was writing this third quote down that was him talking and i was like okay clearly that's an accurate thing here mm-hmm. um and um this one was um so fernando's talking to matthew after he um, finally got Ransom to agree to be part of the Scion, and he had to sit and atone for all of the other vampires that he had killed. And he is feeling very guilty and um, remorseful and all of those things. And he says to, to Fernando, and he's like, they only joined because they're scared of me. There's no love. There's no respect. There's blah, blah, blah. And uh, Fernando says to him, fear is easy to root, love and respect take time. Um, and I thought that that was such an interesting way to look at it because it's true, right? Like we we talk in stories, especially about love at first sight and all of that stuff. And it's true. It certainly can happen, but it doesn't stay that way. You know, like you have to continue to work for it and choose it every day and... Mm-hmm. Um, it's not as easy as just being like, oh, I love you for in whatever way that love means, right? Like, y- you know, you still have to make choices every day that that push towards it. So mm-hmm. I just thought that was great. Um, and then also there's a theme through all of these. Like, I don't know if you can tell. Um, so my last one, Matthew says it to Diana and he says, hearts cannot be broken, Diana, and only love makes us truly immortal. Don't forget, Malion, no matter what happens. Um, and yet again, it has something to do with love. <laughs> I wonder if there's a trend <laughs> with all four of my quotes here. Um, but I just loved that idea, right? That love is what makes us immortal, right? So if we love, like in a romantic relationship, you love your partner, the two of you love your children, your children love their children, their children, like, right? And it's all stems from that same fountain of love, right? Like it, mm-hmm. it's all interconnected and <sighs> immortal. And I thought it was just beautiful and made me tear up a little bit. And... What else is new? Ellen was crying. <laughs> um, but those I were... I would say the status quo is holding. <laughs> yes. Yes, yes, yes. Um, well, I loved all of those. They were, they thank were you. very beautiful. Thank you. Mm-hmm. I agree, clearly. <laughs> you have good taste. Oh my gosh, thank you. Yeah, Oh my gosh. So Alex, there is so much to talk about. What do you uh-huh. have anything? What do you have anything that's like the thing you want to talk about, or do you have like Ooh. multiple the things? Um, I have multiple things that I would like to air out and. <laughs> I like that you get call out it there airing it out. Open. <laughs> that's awesome. So I guess we could start with the beginning of this book because okay. I just thought. That it was, oh, I don't, I can't even, <laughs> I'm just like, <laughs> I can't even talk. <laughs> it was just one thing after another, after another, after another, that was just like, oh my God, no, what? 
how is this possible? Like, so many things happening that you find out within such short amount of time. Like, first of all, you have Emily and Philippe as ghosts, which is right. a first. And then you find out how Demily, Demily, how Emily died. <laughs> and then you find out that, like, Marcus and Phoebe are together and are really serious because he brought her home to see his mother. And then you find out that Fernando is Hugh's mate and that Emily was trying to summon Rebecca's ghost. And that, like, all happens within just, like, the first couple of chapters. And it's just one right. thing after another after another that it's just, like, mm-hmm. emotional punch after emotional punch. And I was just exhausted already at that point. Totally the same. Um, I totally agree about all the emotional punches. I did like, though, that there were instances of, like, tiny little instances of humor that were thrown in there. Like, mm-hmm. clearly... Deborah Harkness knew that it was going to be a rough first few chapters. But, like, my first note even was uh, about Gallo Glass, like, singing to Cora while he's trying to catch her. Yes. Oh, my gosh. And I I'm loved like, that part so much. And Maybe I was that so should have grateful. been my favorite part. <laughs> oh, my gosh. And that I was just so grateful for exactly the same reasons you were talking about, about all of those, like, in between all of that really heavy stuff right away we get a little bit of lightness. Like she's like, mm-hmm. she's like, I'm going to hit you again and again and again. But also, quick, here's Gallo Glass singing sea shanties to a fire drake. Like, <laughs> you know. <laughs> um, which I thought was adorable. Um, oh, yes, I do love him. I mean, I would be, I would be okay if, like, the next book was about him. Yeah. And him finding his actual love and if that's me then i'm okay with that too (laughs) (laughs) dear deborah harkness (laughs) i see that your next book you say is coming out sometime in the near future are you sure you don't want to completely rewrite it (laughs) on the off chance you haven't completely written it already (laughs) i have a suggestion for you a new character Um. you might want to consider (laughs) Her name is Alex, and she's awesome. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, I'd read it. Why, why not? <laughs> <laughs> um. Okay. So, also in the beginning of the book, I want to talk about Baldwin and Varen, but mostly Baldwin, mm-hmm. because I, multiple times in my life. When I've read a book, I have wanted to go into the pages and, like, throttle characters. But, (laughs) oh my god, I wanted to murder him at the beginning of this book. I was, I was so, like, I was a little bit lukewarm about him from the first book anyways. Mm -hmm. Like, because I couldn't get a read on him. He was... Like, I'm sure is the point, right? But, like, I couldn't get a read on him. I didn't know what where what he felt about Diana. Like, of course, he went and tried to help her in the first book. But, like, was he really helping her? Or was it just because they had been taken from his home? Like, you know, like, I couldn't. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, this book starts. And, like, our first introduction of him in this book is he storms into Matthew and Diana's bedroom 
and like rips them out of bed, right? And they're like naked and whatever. And I'm like, sir, don't <laughs> you dare. <laughs> um, and I was just not impressed with him at all at the beginning of the book. Yeah, I was disappointed in him a lot. And because from the first book, you don't get, like you said, like it's hard to get a read on him. But to me, it felt like a character who like was doing his duty to his family and like loyal, was very loyal and like was someone who you could rely on like if Mm -hmm. you needed to. And then while that is mostly true, he, like, really takes on his role as, like, sire of his family in a way that's, like, very domineering and no one's allowed to question me and, right, you know, in, in a way that is very much, especially for, like, women, um, I would say really just, like, gets me going a little bit. Like, how dare <laughs> yeah. you try to take charge in this situation like you have absolutely no say over you know this and that um but eventually at the end I was like there's the Baldwin I thought he was like by the end of the okay book that because I just had this niggling feeling like he's not as bad as we think he is Oh, I was certainly glad that by the end of the book, he, like, certainly came around. I even have a note somewhere close to the end, and I'm like, yes, Baldwin! Like, this is what I've been waiting for. Um, But it also just made me so mad at him and Varen. Like, right, so they are the true-blooded son, children, not sons, children of Philippe. And I was so mad at both of them when they were like, we don't really know what our dad was thinking. Maybe he was bewitched. And I was like, uh, just what I know about your dad (laughs) in reading very little about this character, even I know he wouldn't have put himself in that (laughs) position to like get bewitched. Like, Mm -hmm. screw you guys. Like... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> you're supposed to know, like, you're supposed to know your dad so well. And all of a sudden you're like, oh, maybe he was crazy or out of, you know, blah, blah, blah. And I, oh, and I was like, you too. <laughs> so I was very glad that by the end of it, they both seemed to come to their senses. Uh, I was very excited when it was Baldwin who accepted the the blood vow over, you know, instead of Varen. Mm-hmm. I thought that was yeah. wonderful. Do you think that there was really like a change in his character by the end of the book? Or because to me, it seemed more like we were finally seeing him in his truest form, like in his I true think self there was, by I the think end, there was a... versus like <clears throat> he was really terrible and then he eventually changed. No, I think it. I think I was seeing it as a change. I th- I was seeing it as, um, like, maybe he was always capable of it, 
Um, but being a vampire and sort of quote unquote stuck in his ways, right. And stuck in, in the pageantry of being a vampire. Like I saw it as Diana and even like her kids breathing life back into this stuffy vampire family. And like, that's sort of what I saw it as is like her addition to the family. Um, and, and her children were sort of what nudged him into that into the right direction and then you know he had the 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 potential for it so it wasn't unheard of that he would I mean and certainly he wasn't evil right like he was never like an evil person you Mm -hmm. know so like yeah so maybe I guess a little bit of both like always capable of it but never really stepping outside of his comfort zone Mm-hmm. I guess. Okay. Um. Let's see here. Oh my gosh, I don't even know if I want to talk about this next note of mine. I mean, <laughs> I do want to talk about it, but Alex, this part—it's gonna make me cry again. So sorry, everybody. <laughs> um. Like forty, technically six pages into the paperback version. And, shoot, she gets the note from Philippe that he wrote in his last days. And I am crying again, but I cried. I had to put the book down, Alex. I cried for like 20 minutes and I could not pick the book back up that night. I had to start again the next day. Like Mm. I (laughs) I was like... Yet again, heartbroken. And it was also just, like, he was thoroughly crazy, right? Like, he had been thoroughly tortured and wounded and had gone crazy. But he was still able to hold on to what she told him. And it was just beautiful. And then when he was like, you can let go now, oh, I just lost it. I was, I'm, I'm still not okay. <laughs> Clearly. Um, did you cry? Make me feel better here. <laughs> um, I don't think so. I don't think I cried in this book. I mean, it's definitely possible and I don't remember, even though it was literally like earlier this week. But as we've established, I don't know if we've established on this podcast yet, but you should let it be known that my memory is notoriously terrible and I think it's gotten even worse than it was so it's highly possible that I cried and I really just don't remember yeah I didn't cry either that's silly why would you cry at books just kidding I I cried a bunch of times yeah I think what also got to me about that scene was how he like spent so much time writing the letter and his handwriting was terrible because his hands were just and he was having no longer hands basically yeah and he was blind and he still was able to write it and yeah give that note to her absolutely oh my gosh it was just my poor philippe (laughs) I know. 
Ugh, I just... Damn it, Benjamin. So, can I also say, so, right in the last book, right, we figure out that Diana can tie the tenth knot, right, which gives her power over creation and destruction. Am I the only one who was, like, a little bit hopeful that, like, she maybe she she was going to... Well, not even just him, but, like, Emily. Like, I was a little bit, like, girl, you got all this power. Like, <laughs> just do, like, a little accidental spell. <laughs> <laughs> accidentally bring them back. <laughs> oh, how similar to how you accidentally buy all these things online. Is that kind of along the same vein there? <laughs> okay, Alex. First of all, I don't know if we could should say all these things. Uh, but yes, I do have a tendency to buy things sometimes. Um, but yeah, like just be like, oops, I did, I was trying to, uh, make a plant bloom and I accidentally brought this ancient vampire back to life. My bad. <laughs> <laughs> or like, yeah. oh, I was trying to make a headache potion and oops, I brought this witch back to life. My bad. <laughs> I'm Darn. still, le- I'm still learning how to, to use my powers. <laughs> she could have explained it so easily. She could have been like, my bad. I won't do it again. I'm still learning how to control my powers. <laughs> Just saying. It was. It would have been very easy for that to happen. Ugh. Well, maybe now that we've said it, put it in the un- out there in the universe, it could happen in the future. Like, if more yeah. books are being written in this series and it's not just a Absolutely. Trilogy. Absolutely. Um, yeah, that's okay. That's definitely... I don't know that, like, it was a, a solid thought that formed, but I think it might have been, like, a subconscious thing for me. Like, a subconscious hope. Yeah. Um, if only. If only. Yeah. Um, okay, so I, so you mentioned him. I feel like now is as good a time as any to talk about Benjamin. I will oh. say probably trigger warning when we're talking about him, because we will be talking about torture and rape and other horrific things. So just to guess a little bit of a heads up for our listeners here, because um, he's not, he's horrific. He's horrifying. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So my next note is, funnily enough, about Benjamin. And so it's the part where they first, what is it? Does he write them a letter? I don't, how does he get in touch with them the first time? I don't even remember. But he says something like, you know, he's he's writing to Matthew, of course. And he's like, it looks like we both share an appreciation for witches, which just like. Yeah, I'm trying to remember me. now. Was it, um. Like, a note that was sent to someone? I don't recall the first instance that he contacted them. Right. But either way, right? So he... Um... No, he calls. That's what happens, right? Miriam, she leaves her she leaves her phone someplace. Benjamin finds the phone and he calls Matthew. That's, oh, that's right. Right. And so he says that. And then at some point after that phone call, somebody, I think Matthew, says, What does he mean we share an appreciation for witches? And I was like, You 
dumbass. Like, how? Like, I know exactly what he means. And I wrote, <laughs> I wrote, what do you mean? What does he mean sharing appreciation for witches? And then I wrote, I bet he's trying to make half witch, half vampire babies like the first one that he probably made, right? Because we learned about the one that died all those years ago in Jerusalem. Mm-hmm. And that then was the I wrote, whole reason I, that the congregation and the covenant was created. Right. Yeah, absolutely. And so then I was like, what do you mean? What does he mean? Like, come on, you're supposed to be this really smart ancient vampire. Like, I figured out what he means. Like, come on. And then I was like, so after all that note, I just wrote, I'm willing to bet he's not asking witches nicely. And then lo and behold, he certainly is not. Um, And that was just... Yeah, kidnaps and tortures and continually rapes them and has his children do that too and yeah mm-hmm. oh my god he's just like it feels weird to say because it's like he's horrific but like he's so brilliantly written too because he, there's like because he's clearly crazy right but he's not so crazy in the type of way where you can't follow his thought process Mm-hmm. You know, and I can find I find those villains sometimes hard to follow their motivation, right? If they're just tr- like truly crazy, and you're like, "Why did you do that? Why did you do that? Why did you do that?" Like, and it distracts me from what their overall plan is. But he's so well written that you can clearly see he's crazy and horrifying, mm-hmm. but you can also follow his thought process about why he's acting that way, why he's doing what he's doing, and what he's going to do next, you know, mm-hmm. or or some of what he's going to do next, <laughs> you know? So, like, I did appreciate that he wasn't just crazy for crazy's sake. Like, yeah. you know. That's very true. I, oh, gosh. Yeah, I hated him and had so many problems with him, and I... I don't know what was worse for me, finding out about Jack or finding out that he was the one that tortured Philippe, but, like, both of those were just gut-wrenching. Oh, yeah. Like, I had absolutely no idea that Jack was going to resurface in this book. Like, that was not not. even, like, on my radar at all. Right. And when you find out what he does to this poor kid. Because Young it's, man. Yeah. It's, I also found that kind of weird, though, that, like, Jack's been living for, like, hundreds of years, but yet he still acts like a boy, kind of, versus someone who has lived hundreds and hundreds of years and should yeah. be, like, a fully-fledged adult and very mature at that point. That's yeah. just like a completely side note away from Benjamin and what he did to him. But um. I didn't even question it. <laughs> <laughs> I also thought maybe it was a little bit of like reverting, you know, like maybe he didn't act like that for most of his time as a vampire. Right. Because we only find out that Benjamin tortured him only a cup, like a, a short amount of time before we see him here. Right. And so, like, maybe he did act more mature before that, but then he was horrifically tortured by 
Benjamin. And like maybe he reverted into sort of that child a little Mm. bit. Maybe he reverted into that child after finally seeing his parental figures again after all of those years. Like, Mm -hmm. but yeah, I didn't even question it. That's really funny. (laughs) Yet yet again, she just laid it out on the table and I was like, yep, okay. (laughs) Mm -hmm. If you say so. (laughs) Ellen's drinking the Kool-Aid. Yeah, apparently. I was just, woohoo. Who love who doesn't love Kool-Aid? Actually, I can't remember the last time I've had Kool-Aid. But yeah, me neither. I was just thinking the same thing. As a child, I liked it. Um, yeah, I definitely had... I was just trying to think, what were those, like, juice pouches that I had way more often than Kool-Aid? Oh, man. Alex, really Capri Sun. A Capri Sun? Were they Capri Suns? Yeah, because it wasn't Sunny D's. Um... Were the Capri Suns the ones that, like, everyone had from soccer practice or soccer games and stuff? Yeah, and you stuck the straw into it. Yes. And if you weren't, ca- if you weren't careful, you'd stick the straw out the back. Oh, my gosh. Those were so good, and now I want one so badly. <laughs> I don't even know if they exist anymore. Like, Oh, they granted, certainly do. Granted, I, I don't go looking for, like juice pouches or anything to know or juice boxes anymore to know that they're still on the shelves but (laughs) um oh man that's so funny i um i worry sugary goodness i also yes but i worry that like maybe as adults they won't live up to how much we loved them as children right like oh that's highly probable because i think because i think about that with um I, um, (laughs) I used to love, um, uh, Lunchables as a kid, right? Like, I didn't get them all the time, but, like, every once in a while I would get one and I would just love it. But, and then so, like, I see them in the store every once in a while and I'm like, oh, maybe I should get one for old time's sake. And I always say to myself, no, like, because they're not going to be as good as child Mm -hmm. Ellen thought they were. Mm -hmm. Like, so just let it be a wonderful... (laughs) Like <laughs> nostalgic memory. Yeah, like just let it be this wonderful memory that it is. We're not gonna tarnish it by having one as an adult. Like mm. <laughs> That's like probably just... a good idea. So you're telling me I shouldn't go to the grocery store tomorrow and get a pack of Capri Suns? <laughs> I mean you certainly can. I would just worry that maybe it won't live up to your recollection of it mm-hmm. i yeah. hate to say Very probable. <laughs> um how did we get on the topic of capri suns and lunchables <laughs> i don't know reverting into a child no we were talking about kool-aid you drinking the kool-aid ah yes <laughs> right 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 uh, oh my okay. goodness there perfect go. i love it so okay speaking of funny things I don't know. Can I make that a segue? Let's pretend like we planned this whole thing. Speaking of funny things, I loved when they were back in um, Madison. And uh, there's a little part where uh, Diana is talking about the new car that uh, Matthew bought Mm -hmm. for Sarah. 
and she's like, he put a cute bumper or a license plate on it, hoping that she won't cover it with bumper stickers, but we know it's going to happen. But then my favorite part was when she talked about the little antenna toppers that he has bought for her and they keep getting and they keep getting stolen so he has a little box of replacement ones oh my gosh I was like Matthew you're so sweet I love you so much I know like if I didn't already love Matthew right like would totally replace Diana in a heartbeat if possible (laughs) (laughs) like I I even would set aside all of his vampire instincts and would be totally fine with all of those and I would I would be his wife and his mate it's yeah fine. oh my I don't gosh. have any issue I have a ton of issues with his with the instincts of a vampire but um <laughs> that's I, fine <laughs> I think that's I think that's partially why Diana could put them aside too right is that she she knows that underneath it all he's actually very caring and is trying at least uh for the most part um speaking of how wonderful Matthew is I also shortly after that you know so what okay so this was driving me a little bit crazy tell me if it was driving you crazy too the fact that like I understood for a small period of time why Diana didn't want to tell Sarah that she's a weaver that her powers had grown like I understand it to a point right because she comes back and Emily's dead and Sarah is understandably just lost in her grief so I understand it for a point but I was I was definitely on Matthew's side when he kept being like so when are we gonna tell her when are we gonna tell her yeah I like I was definitely in that same boat. Like, why? Like, this is the woman who raised you. Right. She's why, basically your mother. Yeah. Why do you keep putting this off? Like, what do you think is going to happen? Right. Like, I I was a little surprised when they told other people so freely that she was a weaver mm-hmm. and didn't really keep it tight-knit within the family. Um but I thought, yeah, I thought it would, have been, it would have been the opposite. Like, tell Sarah and then close ranks around that, you know, piece of information. Right. Or or close, close Sarah. <laughs> or tell Sarah and a few other people. You mm-hmm. know, it didn't necessarily... Um, yeah. um, it didn't really necessarily have to be only tell Sarah. But yeah, I also agree that I was a little bit like, oh, okay. Um, but I loved the part where she's like, I'm waiting for the right moment. And Matthew says to her, ah, yes, the elusive right moment. It never comes, Diana. Sometimes we just have to throw caution to the wind and trust the people we love. And I was like, how was that not one of your favorite quotes? Okay, can I tell you it was, but then I was worried that I was having too many. So I moved it into my note section because <laughs> I still wanted to talk about it. Um, and unsurprisingly it also <laughs> has to do with love, love. Yeah. i know it's like a theme or something <laughs> um i just but then on, but then also sort of later throughout the book i kept coming back to that because there were certainly p- points where matthew was doing shit and i was like hey matthew <laughs> 
remember, like, because he kept doing, like, this isn't the right, like, not even that he was saying that this isn't the right time, but there were definitely points in time where I was like, now seems like a time that you can throw caution to the wind and trust the people that you love. Like, (laughs) (laughs) sir. (laughs) Remember when you said that and were preaching that? You got to practice what you preach. Yeah, absolutely. Um, (laughs) I should say that to myself as I don't practice what I preach a lot. (laughs) Oh my god. Does any, like, that's the thing though, like, does anybody reliably practice what they preach? Oops. No. They don't. So. As a side note though, Jessica Simpson's song, Practice What You Preach, which (laughs) I think is only available on her open book, um, audiobook, because she has like a set of new songs that she recorded and released with the book. Okay. I love it. It's so good. Um, I don't know that you can get it anywhere except for the audiobook, but I listened to it so many times. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. Um, I loved all of her new songs that she released on that. Don't worry, we're not getting paid to <laughs> support Jessica Simpson's book, but <laughs> hey, can if she wants us to, I actually, totally can. I really actually. <laughs> hint, hint, Jessica Simpson, hit us up. Uh, you can find us with the information that we'll have at the end of the podcast. <laughs> um, uh, if only oh we gosh. could get to that point where people paid us money to talk about their products or promote them on <laughs> our social media. We'll or get there. We'll get there. Like that. We'll get there. <laughs> um, okay. So, okay. So... The next part... Of the book, sort of after, so they finally tell Sarah, thank God. (laughs) She's totally cool with it, like we figured she would be. And by we, I mean Mm me. I hope other people too, but I was like, she's not going to hate you, Diana. Like, it's not like she's going to be like, that's the straw Mm -hmm. that breaks the camel's back. Like, she's seen you marry a vampire, like, like get pregnant like with a vampire like this is not gonna be the thing that she's like okay bye like (laughs) yeah so I was so glad that they finally told her um and then there was a little bit of like it felt a little bit like a comedy of errors from there right so like she and Diana are working together in their witch room still room whatever they call it um then the house starts playing (laughs) Fleetwood Mac all the time and Sarah hates it um, and then sort of Chris comes into the, to the fray. Um, and like I said, he sort of starts bringing a little bit of comedy into what has been pretty, <laughs> pretty tough. Um, mm-hmm. it, one of the parts, so I, I liked him already, even from the snippet of him that we got to see in the first book. Yeah. Um, but for me, the part that really sealed the deal and also made me realize that even though it was going to probably be a little bit of a rocky path, he and Matthew were going to probably at some point become friends, mm-hmm. was when he, um, Diana's basically told him the whole story. She's talking about time traveling, all of this stuff. He's taking it very well. <laughs> okay, we're going to have to come back to that note because I have another thing to say about that. Right. He's taking it very well. And then he goes... Um, so, and she says, so there are demons too, but their eyes don't glow and they're not evil. We'll know more than any other species. And he goes, other species? Are there werewolves? And then I loved 
absolutely not shouted matthew in the distance like i I loved one of course he was eavesdropping like of course he was but then i just loved like already their dynamic was a little bit bicker you know obviously bickering Mm -hmm. and of course we'll see more of it later too but like you could also see the foundation being laid for what was going to be a good um a good at least friendship between the two of them i feel like Um, i would have such a problem not eavesdropping on people if i was a vampire and had super amazing hearing because i love to know like what the gossip is (sighs) and so (laughs) to be able to just like have an actual working knowledge Mm -hmm. of everything oh my god i would be an even worse gossip than i already am yeah no i would i would i would same same Um, so how would you react? So I was trying to think how I would react in the situation, Alec, and mostly I thought of you, but I have a couple other friends that I could also put in that spot. Like I was trying to figure out how I would react if someone, one of my best friends came to me and was like, okay, or I came to them, whatever. We're in a conversation and they're like, so here's the deal. I'm married. He's a vampire. I'm a witch. I'm carrying half witch, half vampire babies. There's also demons. We don't, (laughs) we don't really know what's going on in this world. And I'm like, I don't, I think I would, I think I'd be like, <laughs> okay, like. <laughs> oh, I would definitely laugh in your face if you told me that. I'd be like, Ellen, have you like read one too many fantasy series that you finally tipped over the edge like, into lost madness? <laughs> like, <laughs> like he took it so well. And he was like, I'm a scientist. That's why I'm taking it so well. And I'm like, I don't think that's true like I mean yes he's a scientist but I was like I don't think that's the reason because oh god yeah I I definitely had a big problem with how basically every single human that was told that there are other creatures was like (laughs) cool yeah sure like no big deal let's research their DNA this is awesome yeah not like oh let me swoon or like run screaming (laughs) or go into denial or any other more normal reaction right (laughs) I can kind of understand it with Phoebe because like she's British you know and so like there's a very stereotypic like British stoicism so like that one I could kind of understand but like even then I'm like really okay Mm mm-hmm Okay. <laughs> yeah. I I had a huge problem with that. Clearly like, I'm just this an is inferior so humanistic. <laughs> <laughs> you and I both. Oh my gosh. Um okay, so when they left her family home, did you get the sense that like she was never going to see it again? Yes. Oh my god, I was so worried. Mhm. That she wasn't. And of course like technically in the book she doesn't see it again, but like we I, we can assume that probably she'll go back and visit. Like, I can't right. imagine that, that it's just going to be she's only in France or England from now on. Especially with how much ridiculous amounts of money that her, fam- her new family seems to have. Like, yes. I feel like... Well, and she in her own right. Yes. Now, both from Philippe and from Philippe. Matthew. Yes. Yes, and Matthew, too. Yes, absolutely. Um, oh, okay. I'm so glad that I wasn't alone. Because, like, when she was, like, and I turned around and I looked behind me and I was, like, oh, God. Oh, God. Like, 
I was, I was so sure. You know, I was just so sure that she wasn't, um, she wasn't gonna see it mm-hmm. again for whatever reason. It was definitely a feeling. Um. Okay, so. Oh, something I wanted to talk about. Yeah. Um, during this time period too, was I absolutely loved Chris's reaction of like segregation is never the answer. Yeah. And I totally had not thought about like the congregation and separating demons, vampires, and witches in terms of racism. Oh, like, yeah. at all. Until he said that. And I was like, oh. And, like, systemic racism, mm-hmm. right? Like, to a point where it doesn't even seem like it anymore because it's so ingrained in the society. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. I was like, dang. It was almost like my my third witch's eye opening. <laughs> <laughs> oh. And I, and Diana, I became, is that you? Yeah. And I became... <laughs> more aware um, yeah it was just um, something that like i didn't even think about at all whatsoever it didn't cross my mind until he said it and i was like wow how did i not see that you know <laughs> um yeah no absolutely um so i i don't know what i was gonna say i you know whatever <laughs> that's something okay ab- something about that too it will maybe come back to me it maybe it won't um so right around this time is the first time that we see um, ugh, Benjamin's um, website. Mm-hmm. And I was both utterly horrified at what was happening, but also, like, at first I was a little bit proud of myself for, like, knowing that he wasn't going to be asking nicely to make half vampire babies um i was like look at me like i'm really like getting so much better at these like prediction knee things um and then i was like or like it's just that's the logical conclusion that you can just come to and it didn't really take that much uh (laughs) detective work um I'm going to go with the former and not the mm-hmm. latter, but it's probably sure. the latter. We can say um, that. But I was just, oh, it was just so awful. And like, but I was also super frustrated with Matthew, right? Because right after that, he's like, I'm going straight there. And everybody was like, dude, <laughs> that's exactly what he, he wants you to do. I know. There, like, have been, there have been so many times in this series where Matthew immediately is like, I need to go do something now. And everyone's <laughs> like, that's the stupidest thing I've ever heard. <laughs> like, <laughs> what are you thinking? You're not right. thinking. Like Baldwin telling him, like, come on, like, use your head. Mm-hmm. Like, you're not going to win this battle if you don't think strategically. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. I I got frustrated with Matthew a couple times in this book when he would do something like that. Yeah. Um, Granted, then I... you find out that, like, his role was assassin of the family right. and warrior. So he was often 
in a position sure. where he was just told what to do to carry out a and task. of course and of course like i'm frustrated with him for doing things that we've all done right we all react like sometimes we react logically to situations but also we all react without thinking mm-hmm. you know in our lifetimes so really it's you know it's the classic yeah, that's you point true. one finger at one no person foundation upon which to stand yeah right exactly like the point one finger at somebody else three fingers are pointing back at you like okay we get it mm-hmm. <laughs> um so then they're in the lab with chris and like i said that was my favorite scene i loved and was also really shocked by how easily and kind of so was diana right about how easily matthew was like I'm a vampire. Here's all, here's all my, not all my secrets, but here's like a good number of my secrets. But I loved his little speech that he gave, um, where he was like, I'm a vampire. And before you ask, I can go outside during the day and my hair won't catch fire in the sunlight. I'm Catholic. I have a crucifix. I sleep not in a coffin. (laughs) Um, don't try to stake me. You know, I don't have fangs. And then I loved that he was like, and one last thing, I do not, nor have I ever sparkled. (laughs) And I thought that was wonderful. (laughs) And then, of course, I was was very surprised, one, that they were like, let's go ahead and share all this information and tell these humans that there are all these creatures without first at least telling other members of their family that they're going to be doing this to mm-hmm. prepare them for the fact that that they're doing something so monumental that they're going to have to protect their family and right. without like they didn't really seem to stop and think and be like what's the congregation going to do about this oh i think at that like, point they, they didn't were just give like two flying hey, sounds like a great idea let's do it yeah i don't think they cared one bit what the congregation was gonna say about it <laughs> I don't know. I feel like they should have been, again, a bit more strategic. Um, but... I mean, at the very least, they made sure that they all signed the non-disclosure forms. So at least they had a little bit of foresight. I know, but like, is that what, if you had to sign a non-disclosure form after finding out that there were vampires and witches, I don't think that would stop me from actually not telling anyone. I think it would depend on what that non-disclosure form said. <laughs> what what if they signed it and they're, like one of the clauses was like, if you tell anyone, we get to kill you. Like maybe that was, <laughs> I mean, I don't think that was part of it, but like it could have been. <laughs> wow. You're telling me I definitely need to read my non-disclosure agreements that I sign more carefully yes. next time. <laughs> Absolutely, Alex. Come on. Because I'm sure you signed so many of them. Um, <sighs> no, just a, a few. So, like, how did you feel about Miriam and Chris? I liked it. Oh, my God. I loved it. At first, like, I didn't pick up on it, really, until Gallo Glass was like, duh. Um, Really? You didn't, Alex? Come on. Are you really surprised? I mean, a little bit. Like, this one seemed, I don't know, this seemed a little uh, obvious. Like, the banter? 
And the fact that he was like, you are going to get here and you're going to tell me why I'm wrong. And she like shows up. She doesn't do what he says right away. She's like, I'm taking you out to coffee. We're going to lunch. I'll see you at two o'clock. Have your paper ready and I'll tell you why you're wrong. Like, oh my God, I was so excited. No, to me, I was just like, (laughs) that's her personality. Like, that's just who she is. I okay. yeah I did not pick up on it at all but I I loved it thoroughly enjoyed it yeah mm. um so speaking of like possible love or I mean the, clearly they hooked up uh, quite a bit well I maybe I'm reading into the quite a bit part of it but like I think we can infer that they were definitely hooking up um I so after Diana really brings Lucy into the circle, right? The woman she meets at the library. There's that little scene where they're going from the library to the lab. And like, there's a little, there was a little bit between like Gallo Glass and Lucy. Yes. I was hoping (sighs) so badly that something would become of that. Me too. But then of course we realize that nothing becomes of that because he's in love with Diana. Mm-hmm. Um, but I thought that whole exchange was really cute where she was like, he carries your bags. And she's like, yeah, he carries this. And he'd probably carry me if <laughs> like, yes. if I didn't stop him. <laughs> like, <laughs> I was like, I was so ready for that to happen. And I was a little bit sad that it didn't. I know. Um, he takes such good care of her. I know. But yeah, like I thought, ooh, maybe Gallowless is going to get his, like get a little someone to keep him company. Um, Alas. Yeah, exactly. Um, and then Jack happens. Oh my gosh. I was so surprised. I like freaked out yeah. when you meet him as a vampire. Like freaked out. Oh my god. I know. Not only that, right? So we meet him. He's a vampire. But he also has blood rage. Like... I just, my heart, like, I could feel my heart, like, crack in half. I know, like, <laughs> because he, he was just this, like, amazing little boy who had been through so much, and then he finally, you can see him, like, working through his demons, and then you just assume that, like, he'll be taken care of by someone yeah. else, and then you and we forget that about that things. the case. <laughs> yeah. And then, of course, we forget about things in history, like the plague, like <laughs> all of that, I guess, stuff. <laughs> um, I was, until we find out that Hubbard only changed him because he was dying from the plague, I was furious when mm-hmm. we found out that Hubbard was the one who changed him. Mm-hmm. I was like, you son of a bitch. <laughs> Oh, yeah. I had definitely hoped in the last book that they would bring Annie and Jack back with them, like, as part Mm -hmm. of their family to the present. But that didn't happen. But then Jack shows up, and and poor Annie died. I know. I know, that broke my heart, too. Um, But none of my, none of my heart... None of that broke my heart as much as when we found out that Benjamin whipped Jack into such a blood rage frenzy that he was the one killing all those people around Europe. Mm -hmm. I 
oh, I started crying all over again. Surprise, surprise. <laughs> yeah, that's Ellen when... Ellen was crying. That was the first instance where I... No, not the first instance, because each time you hear about Benjamin and what he does, you just can't help but be enraged. But yeah. when you find out what he did to Jack... Mm-hmm. I feel like it was almost, like, more than rage that I felt. Yeah. And, like, using Jack's love and devotion for specifically Matthew and his want for Matthew's love against him like that and saying the only way Matthew will love you is if you give in to this. Oh, my God. I, again, wanted to jump into that book and I could have ripped Benjamin's head off myself. Like, I (laughs) I was also furious understandably mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, poor um, jack and then you and, you and then see baldwin how easily he like falls into the blood rage and then like yeah. his drawings oh, oh your heart just breaks yes. again like so many times and then baldwin comes in like the jackass that he's being okay I should rephrase. Like the jackass because we, or me, I love and care for Jack. Now, I do also see it from Baldwin's point of view. Like, I do understand why he said what he said. Yeah. And why he said, why he told Matthew that he had to kill Jack. Like, I, logically, I understand it. Yeah. But... I still think he's a jackass. <laughs> and, and how dare... My, mostly I think, like, why couldn't he have, at that point in time, given him... Like, I could understand maybe, like, you have a month to show me marked improvement, or then he's dead, right? Like, yeah. I think that's really what made me the most angry, that there was no... Well, but that was, like, the rule across vampires was blood rage should not exist. If it does, it gets killed. Well, just because it's how things are done doesn't mean it... Let's go back to racism and systemic racism and keeping things separate, right? Just because that's how it's done doesn't mean that it's right. Right. No, not... I don't (laughs) disagree with that. But at the same time, like... You can see why he believes the Oh, yeah. No, for sure. I'm just saying he's wrong. <laughs> <laughs> also fine. Um, so along the same the lines that you're going here, because what happens right after this is um, Diana and Matthew have a conversation where he tells her that like Baldwin ordered him to kill Jack, and she's like, no, you can't. Um, right. She's like, oh, no, you don't. Right. I th- I've i come to realize that there were three times in this book where, like, my heart just broke even more extremely than it did in other instances. Okay. One was finding out what Benjamin did to Jack. Mm-hmm. The other was finding out that Benjamin was the one who, like, tortured Philippe. And what mm-hmm. Philippe went through. Because you're like, oh my god, it didn't have to happen. Like, it wasn't actually, like, the Nazis. It all, 
it's back to him. But the third one was my heart just broke for Diana and Matthew when he acknowledged that he would kill their children if they had blood rage. Oh my god, I know. Like not not even if they had blood rage, if they had blood weight rage and Baldwin ordered him to. Mm-hmm. Right? Like Yeah. Ugh. I mean, there were a bunch of other times, especially when it involved um like things that Benjamin did or like Isabel finding out about Philippe and everything. Again, a lot of heartbreaking instances, but like those were my top three, like worse than any other heartbreaking instances in this book, hands down. Yeah, oh my god. It was just, oh my gosh. It was... Yeah, I mean, I that was a point also where I was like, Matthew needs, much like Diana, Matthew needs to... Um, um, Matthew needs to break apart from the family. So, like when Diana was like talking him through that and was like, you know, this needs to, you need to do this. And he's like, no, I can't, you know, I can't do this. Blah, 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 Mm -hmm. blah, blah. I was firmly on Diana's side about that. I was like, Oh Mm -hmm. no, no, no. (laughs) Yeah. You're done here because. (sighs) Could you imagine if that had like, I can't even imagine if that had, been something that he had been ordered to do like i just yeah i it does not bear thinking of that's for sure so speaking of him forming his own scion i was i had this really i was super anxious i was like this better end well or else i'm gonna be really upset (laughs) like what else else am i gonna actually do about it like i was like but oh my gosh i was so nervous Because, like, they made it seem like it was going to be a much bigger... (laughs) Thankfully, it went relative... Seems to have gone fine. Right, But it's... They they sure built it up like it was going to be really bad. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm-hmm. And so I was very anxious about that. Like... (laughs) Oh, my gosh. Yeah. I I agree. Like... I don't know. It was... Yeah, the suspense was definitely built really between Matthew and Diana, like, missing each other and their, Mm -hmm. like, devastation of being apart. Right. I was like, you guys know that you're going to be back together again in a couple of months, and it's not like you're not together. It's just that you're physically not together. Yeah. Um, Like, I can understand them being very upset about it and especially with Matthew with the whole like his instinctual reactions to not being near his mate like he can't really control that and that then makes him like extremely volatile and more easy to anger and all this stuff but at the same time you're going to be you're going to see each other in a few months well I think that's the thing though is that they weren't sure that they were going to right because like when Matthew leaves like he doesn't say it to Diana but he thinks to himself like 
He doesn't know how quickly he can get his family under control. He doesn't know how quickly he can help Jack. Like, it could be years before Mm. he sees her again. Like, also, what happens if he gets down there and they all gang up on him and kill him? Like, Like, there's so many... Yeah. Ifs about it. Um, Also, like, what if Benjamin catches up to Diana while Matthew's not near her? What if, like, he ends up doing, right? Like, of course, thankfully, she gets away pretty much unharmed. You know, she's unharmed. You know, poor Phoebe's been fed on a little bit, but she doesn't seem to care. Um (laughs) Yeah, right? (laughs) She was very nonchalant about that incident. (laughs) I kind of loved it. I loved that she was just, she was just like a take everything in stride kind of person. She yeah. was like, she was okay. like, we need to call the labs because I have this saliva on and who knows I know. what we could find out about this. So I was like, my note, my note when he showed up at the Baudelaire was literally, I just wrote, fuckity fuck fuck. <laughs> That's all I wrote. <laughs> I was like, oh, fuckity fuck fuck. <laughs> I mean, that's. A very good way to describe that scene and our, our reaction. Yeah. Sure. Um, okay. Especially when she throws a gun. I know. Well, I mean, on the flip side, like, it's so easy to be sitting here and being like, how dare you freeze? You're so powerful. And it's yeah. like, what would I do in that situation? Probably freeze. <laughs> yes. <laughs> like, <laughs> she's not... She's been, she's had some training, right? But she's not a warrior, right? And her biggest issue was how can she hit him and not hit Phoebe, right? Because, like, he put her in just the right place that it would be very difficult to get, Mm -hmm. reach him and not um, hurt Phoebe. Um, Yet again in this book, side note, I was struck by how much I love Isabeau. Um, Mm Mm-hmm. And I loved her in that, like, that scene, like, the part, (laughs) it kind of grossed me out, too. But, like, the part where, like, she finally realizes, like, what's happening. She comes to save them. She puts her finger in his neck. (laughs) And then I love at the end of that whole sequence when they're, like, and there was a pop as she removed her. Oh, oh, I'm just shivering even now again (laughs) because that was my reaction when I read it, I was, like, I was, like, I was, like, ooh, gross. (laughs) Like, but also yeah. at the same time, I was a little bit like, oh my gosh, I just love, she's just she like. She is such a badass. She's such a badass. And like, there's zero doubt in my, like, even before, even in the first book, like there was zero doubt in my mind why she was like the general of the family. Like, mm-hmm. she's, she's brilliant. She's sneaky. She's a badass like yeah i loved the description of her in the like the restaurant or coffee shop or whatever um where they were like she's like a young film star whatever and all the men were immediately drawn to her and they're like we can't bring you anywhere basically or the the part where she where she's like make way for my daughter-in-law and then Diana had to make up this whole story about how her dad married really young yes. and like, because <laughs> she's like, because now people are looking at me like I got married to a 12 year old, like, <laughs> like, I just, oh my God, I just love her complete, like, I love that in some ways she's very like 
to the letter of the law. And then in other ways, she's like, screw it. Like, (laughs) Mm -hmm. I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna do what I'm gonna do in this situation. Um, But speaking of her, um, her alarms (gasps) that she has set. Again, the amount of heartbreak in this book. Yes. Is just insane. It, It made me cry. But then I also, in my tears, or through my tears, I thought to myself, does her alarm ever stop going off? Like, if she has alarm an alarm set every day for these times, or, like, every year or whatever, like, how many alarms does she have set? Like, this... <laughs> this <laughs> Did that cross your mind at all? Because I was oh, like, yeah. Absolutely. this poor woman, like... <laughs> I mean, like, in thinking about it, it's a really great way... To remember a life that's so long lived. Yeah, absolutely. And I was just, that just made me think, like, if I was a vampire, would my memory still be this terrible? Or, like, (laughs) would I have to do what she does? Like, write a journal every day or set alarms so that I remember what the heck I did 300 years ago? (laughs) Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Absolutely. Um. Yeah, I mean, both equally heartbreaking, and I was also like, uh, but also. (laughs) Oh my gosh. Um, so my next one is about Benjamin again, but it's still, so it's still him at the Baudelaire. I, yet again, I was in this situation where I was so wrapped up, like, of course, and I knew that he was still at large in general, but I didn't even think about him when she was at the Baudelaire, like the dummy that I am. And so when he showed up out of nowhere, I was like, oh, man. Like, <laughs> <laughs> like and then, of course, in my head, I was like, of course he's there. Because it, it makes the most sense. But I was like, you dummy, why didn't you even like. <laughs> oh, yeah. There were multiple instances throughout this book where. I was on high alert for Benjamin and I was just like, why are you doing this character? Like, that's so dumb. You're alone or you're (laughs) not in a well-fortified area or you're not with someone who's a vampire who can help you or, you know, all of these things were running through my mind constantly. Mm -hmm. So I, I had my Benjamin high alert system on at all times. So I was not as surprised as you were. Yeah. Mine definitely... I definitely had it up at some points, but it, that was not one of them. Um, but can I tell you the chill that went through my body when he said to Diana, I hope both of your children are daughters. <gasps> like I, like I, I could have almost vomited. Like I was mm-hmm. like chilled to the bone. I was like, OMG. <laughs> like, Oh, like even now I'm like, oh, mm-hmm. like, oh, like, and can you imagine so as a mother knowing what he's doing to these witches? Like, oh, I think that's where it really set in for me that like he's crazy. <laughs> okay. <laughs> like that's where it set in. Yeah. Like before <laughs> it was... It was more like he's such a just, just terrible, evil. yeah, just a really yeah. terrible, terrible 
Got it. Terrible, terrible, terrible person. Um, but yeah, I think then it moved from terror into madness for me. Okay. Okay. Sure. Um, yeah. Yeah. I can, I get it. Mm-hmm. Um, my next notes are about the babies. Oh. Yeah. So I have to admit that I, while there are like one or two notes that we haven't discussed yet in terms of chronologically, I just stopped taking notes after <laughs> the scene in the library. Okay. I was just too engrossed in the book. Like, I yeah. just couldn't put it down. I read it so quickly um, to the detriment of other activities in my day. <laughs> you know what? Sometimes sometimes you just got to do what you got to do, Alex. You know? I mean, oops. <laughs> um, so my... I was so excited when they were born... I was so excited that they were born successfully. Like, I was also super worried that, like, I was like... <sighs> I was like, this is where Matthew's going to turn her into a vampire. Oh, is that what you thought, too? Like, a little well, bit no, of, like, it was, a... it was more of, like, a... It happened in Twilight, so... Yeah. Is it going to happen here? Right, exactly. So, like, I was super worried that somebody was going to die. Whether it was Diana, one, or both of the babies, I was super worried about that. Like... You know, so, like, that whole thing. So, I was so glad when everything turned out okay. Mm -hmm. I loved that they had one of each, right? Because, like, Diana, we find we found out, right, that she was technically one of a, a boy-girl set of twins, even yeah. though her male twin died. So, like, I liked sort of that parallel. Um, I was glad they weren't both daughters, after Benjamin's comment, I kind of wish that they were both boys, but, you know, right? like... <laughs> I know. I know. I, um, I found it odd that Matthew was like, you should go to a hospital. I was like, you're... You're a vampire. Your mate slash wife is a witch. You have no idea what your children are going to be. And yeah. yet you want to go to a human hospital and have them deal with this? I think it, I think it was mostly just his paternal panic. Like, I want you to be in the middle of the best equipment, you know, resources. Like, I want you mm -hmm. to be equipped for the best part of, of what modern day medicine has to offer. Like, mm -hmm. I think that was more what he was thinking versus, like we're not human and we'll be at a human hospital. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, That's fair. I guess. <laughs> I guess. <laughs> um, so my first note is after they are trying to get the twins to nurse for the first time, and at the time, we don't know their, wait, no, we know their names because we know their first names right away, right? So um, they named the boy Philip for Philippe. And I was like, of course they did. And then they named the girl Rebecca um, after um, Diana's mom, uh, which I was like, awesome. And then, so they're like, so the first time that they're trying to nurse, right? And like Philip right away totally latches on, but it takes 
I almost said Diana. It takes Rebecca a little while to figure it out. And they figure out that if they try to switch, because, like, Philip got it started on one side, and they're like, maybe, right? And so they do that. And then she, like, starts nursing, and she has this moment where, like, it says even that, like, her eyes popped open, and she was like, oh. (laughs) And then Matthew said something that, like, oh, my God, it was just the cutest little thing. And he says to her, didn't I tell you, little one, maman is the answer to everything. And I was like, oh. <laughs> like just when I thought you couldn't get any sweeter, Matthew, you became a dad and it everything else changed. <laughs> I know. It's there's such a truth behind a man with a puppy or a baby just <laughs> attracting women because yeah. it is so like I just love it so much when you see yeah. like it's just so beautiful to see men with their babies yeah and so endearing and yeah again yeah i love matthew even more i mean right um so were you i'm a sucker and basically that just means that if there's a guy who is walking around with a puppy or a baby even if they aren't (laughs) his and he's just borrowing them i'm sold (laughs) okay so note to self don't leave Alex alone, because she'll follow a murderer home if he has a puppy or a baby. <laughs> Got it. Yep, that's exactly what would happen. <laughs> okay, note to self. Alex needs a new lesson to remind her about if some person says, come look at my puppy in the car. But to be honest, seriously, I'd be in the same boat. If somebody was like, oh my gosh, I got puppies in the car, I'd be like, okay. Okay, like- <laughs> let's go. Yeah, like literally in college, um one of the multiple fraternities had dogs but one of the fraternities had just gotten a dog so it was still a puppy and it was being walked by like two of the hottest guys on campus and I just like (laughs) didn't even acknowledge them like I didn't even say hi to them I was just like zeroed in on the dog like (laughs) puppy I need to I need to pet you I need to interact with you and like it could have been a great you know me actually interacting with men and you know that that would have been good but no (laughs) I went straight for the dog I mean girl same like obviously you have to say hi to the puppy first um or exclusively in my case or or exclusively (laughs) also true um so speaking of puppies and babies how so I was really worried that we weren't gonna figure find out the baby's full names because I was so excited about them having full names. Like you're, <laughs> you're my... such a you're such a name person. I know. And Again, I little... how much this series is like a you series. I know. It's lit- it's so good. I was a little bit sad that they only went with four names instead of five, because like it would have been a great opportunity to put another name in there. Um, <laughs> but I did like, so how did you feel about that? Cause I liked the, that she, like the reasoning behind it, right. Is that the French, you know, the de Clermont's most specifically, they do five names. Um, but she went with four or they decided to go with four because it was more elemental. And so it tied in sort of her pagan and witch heritage, um, which I kind of, I get like whatever, but whatever but I was super worried I even have a note and I was like are we gonna get to know their full names like I didn't know if we were going to be able to see their christening right or if it was just gonna be like 
we got ready for it. And then, oh, it happened. Like, I was yeah. really worried that it was just going to be like, it happened. <laughs> yeah, that was another heartbreaking moment where, like, you find out their full names and you find out that um, Gallo Glass is, like, honored in their names. Yeah. And then he's not even there. I know. <sighs> I found it hilarious, though, when they were like, how are we going to figure out who's who are going to be their godparents? We have, what about this person? Oh, yeah, but we forgot about this person and this person. And, oh, this person told me that they wanted to be too. And, oh, but you can't forget this person. Right. <laughs> like, I loved Matthew's little list, right? He was like, he's like, Marcus wants to be the godfather of a boy if we have a boy. This one wants a blonde. This one wants a... Yes! <laughs> <laughs> ah, ah. Oh, I thought that was hilarious. Um... Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. No, those two absolutely. children are going to be so loved. See, yet again, there's always more room for love. Like, <laughs> you know, duh. That's so true. <laughs> um, love knows no bounds. Yes, absolutely. Um, and then I got really worried, right, because then they were about to split up again. <sighs> or we did split up again. This was this part like I don't know if I read it too quickly, but like it felt kind of jarring to me. Like they were all together, and then all of a sudden, like Matthew wasn't with them yet again, and Diana was like still in France with the kids and the family, and then Matthew's getting captured, and then I'm like, oh god, like what? <laughs> it felt very like I don't know. It, it was very jarring to me. Um, but then when they were like. Well, we'll go get him, and Diana, you're going to stay back here. I was like, oh, gosh. No, 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 no. No, like, because <laughs> that's where, like, that's where I was like, oh, my God, it's a trap. Like, there, he anticipates her staying home, and that's when he's going to capture her and the children. Yeah, yeah. I was freaking out about that. I was like, don't do that. Um, and then yeah. Baldwin. Don't do it. Don't do it. Yes, this is where Baldwin just shines. Yes. <sighs> so he comes in, right? So he comes in. He has signed the the scion paperwork to let Matthew be the head of his own scion, mm-hmm. and he, he acknowledged Diana. He acknowledged as Diana, the daughter. Um, and he's there to help them, right? Like he's, I was like, this is what I've been waiting for. <laughs> like I was so excited, and I loved the part where they figure out right that Matthew set it up this way like he purposely got himself caught and he set it up like this chess game and um diana at one point diana says benjamin's expecting me and baldwin's like he will not be expecting me and i was like oh i'm so excited (laughs) (laughs) i was like this is where i i because i was ready to like baldwin like i just needed I needed something to like him about. Mm-hmm. And so I was like, this is where I'm going to like Baldwin. This is where he's going to prove himself to be Philippe's son. Like, of course, we know he is was turned by Philippe. But, like, this is where he's going to make himself worthy of being Philippe's son. Mm-hmm. I was like, yes. But then almost immediately I was like, someone's going to die. Like, I was like. It was, right? I went from like, such a I high. I was so afraid that, I don't know why, but like, I had a fear that Isabeau was going to die. Me too! 
I was, I can I tell you, if that would have happened, I'm so glad it didn't. But I also thought, um, especially the part where um, after Diana gets the congregation to vote mm-hmm. in her favor, and she texts Isabo, and Isabo texts back, um, well, she texts, like, sends two texts. One is about chess and about the bishop pair. And the other text she said, sends, and I will die first. And I was like, no, 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 no. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. Yep, I was, I was right like... there with you. <laughs> and then, of course, she didn't, which was, whew. But yeah. man, I was so worried that she was, oh I gosh. also thought she was going to be the one to die. Yeah, it could have, that could have been so bad. Can we talk a little bit first about, before we go into that whole, um, I guess, chess game slash rescue effort. Yes. Can we take a step back and talk about the congregation? And how the fact that there is a witch vampire thing, I don't know what they call them. Right. A vampire? A (laughs) A a witch? (laughs) I don't know. Who's been in, like, plain sight this entire time has just been in hiding like there was another weaver a couple generations ago who and she's descended from freaking benjamin Mm-hmm. yes um but what i thought was interesting was that yes she's what i thought was interesting and so well done and so promising right is that she's descended from benjamin who never did anything to curb his blood rage and she's normal and she's kind and she's not She's not showing any signs of blood rage, you know, like mm-hmm. she talks a little bit about her grandma maybe being a little <laughs> blood ragey, but still not like quite blood as bad ragey? as Blood ben- ragey? Is that a new, a new thing, yeah. a new term that we're adding Duh. to the, the Oxford <laughs> English Dictionary? <laughs> of course, Alex. Um, but yeah, I was, um, I, I loved finding her. How did you feel about... Satu being a weaver, too. I had absolutely no idea. Right. Like, that one blew me away. Yeah, and me too. And it was also very confusing because, like, if she herself was a weaver, then what was she trying to find in Diana if she knew that weavers existed because she was one? Yeah. Like, in terms of the whole, like opening up her and her parents to try to discover like their magic or whatever right well we find out that peter knox right is the one who opened up her parents right right but like that's what satu was supposed to be doing with diana too and so i I think she was i think she was trying to understand it better because like even though she knows she's a weaver she doesn't know exactly what it entails right like so i think at least what i um Like, I saw it a little bit more as her trying to understand herself. And, of course, she's not going to cut herself open. So ah, okay. she had the opportunity to do it with Diana. And thankfully yeah. failed. I thought Diana was so badass when she threatened to spellbind her and then immediately did it. Like, mm-hmm. she didn't just threatened with words like she followed through 
and was like, nope, you've gone too far. Yep. There you Absolutely. go. Absolutely. Um, yeah, that whole scene was awesome. And I loved that Gallo Glass was there with her. Mm-hmm. Diana. Not yeah. sad too. That would have been a weird turn of events. <laughs> <laughs> um, yes, I agree. Where he comes back at last. Yeah. So, they get to the compound where Benjamin is holding Matthew. Mm-hmm. And they go into the buildings, building. I can't, t- I can't tell if it was multiple buildings or one building. It seemed like maybe just one building. Mm-hmm. They get into the building and she starts realizing that there's just illusion after illusion after illusion of Matthew being tortured. Mm-hmm. And I was, I mean, I was just like, again, because of Benjamin, sick to my stomach. Mm-hmm. But like, I totally did not see that coming. Like, ugh. Yeah, the first one, I... With the ribs? I freaked out, yeah, Yeah. when I read Mm -hmm. that. I was like, no, he's actually going to die. There's no way he can recover from this. Yeah, ugh. So thank goodness it was just an illusion. Oh my gosh, I know. Oh my gosh. But still, but still, so great. So there's illusion after illusion of horrible... Torture for Matthew. But then still, we get to the real Matthew, and Benjamin has devised this thing where he's holding this metal rod inside of Matthew, and if he lets go of it, Matthew will die. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, oh, of course you figured it out. But then... Right? Like, our- why does he... Why can't he just be evil? Like, why does he also have to be an evil genius? Like, right, like why, why does, does he have, have to be smart? good at what he does? Right. That's the point where then you're like, oh, you aren't just crazy for crazy's sake. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's the that's the other side of the coin, right? Like, it makes his following his evil plan easier when he has a train of thought. But then also he's too smart for his own good. <laughs> Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, did you think Matthew was going to die? I did initially when we go in and we don't realize it's an illusion. But okay. once you realize there are illusions and she takes care of Peter Knox and then they find Matthew, I didn't think he was going to die at that point. Mm-hmm. No. Yeah, I didn't think that at that point either. Uh, up until that point, I was still ready that he might die or that Isabel would die or that both of them would die and that was going to be really bad if it was going to be both of them Mm -hmm. um I loved that um it wasn't just her that took him down but it was all the other weavers that had died like her dad and all those other people I thought that was beautiful Mm -hmm. (laughs) I may or may not have teared up a little bit I don't I don't know (laughs) yes it was definitely poetic justice at its yeah. best. Absolutely. The the part of me that likes revenge was also a little bit like, that was too quick. Like, <laughs> mm-hmm. 
Like, I'm also glad that they didn't, like, try to capture him and torture him, because, like, then that could always open up the space for him to, like, escape. So, like, I am glad that it was just, like, you're dead. But then also I was like, that seems, like, too good for someone who has caused so much pain and damage, you know? Mm-hmm. So, oh, well. But he ended up dead, so I don't really care that much. <laughs> <laughs> Um, my last note is that she got to see Philippe again, right at the end, as of him as the ghost. Okay, so I have a problem with that. Oh, you do? I was very disappointed that we didn't get to see more of the ghosts. We didn't get to see more of Emily and Rebecca and Philippe. Because you get them at the beginning, mm-hmm. and we know that especially Diana has, like, seen ghosts before, Mm-hmm. And they're they're in septours with her, and yet there's no interaction. Like the fact that the book opened with them, I was so ready for there to, for be, to be bigger. Yes, a bigger part of the mm-hmm. story. Like yes, I did. Like it was beautiful the end how they did get to see each other, but I was also disappointed that they hadn't been more. Oh, a larger yeah. part of the book. I can totally agree. The only reason that I didn't think about it much, because I was kind of foolishly throughout most of the book, holding out hope that maybe they would come back to life. (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, I've also decided, totally factually, Uh so like we find out, right, that this other witch who's hiding in plain sight, this half witch, half vampire, we find out from her that like, the, the the direct offspring lived to be, like, almost 300, and then her mom was, like, 200, and then she was already, like, 170. Um, but I've decided that Matthew and Diana's kids are just going to live forever. It's not going to just only be a couple hundred years. But what happens um, and with I've, Diana? I've also decided that since she absorbed the Book of Life, that she's also now immortal. you've decided that huh i have okay and guess what they didn't talk about it so i guess i get to just say that it's true (laughs) yeah you know one as you say this one of the things that i realized that wasn't talked about was anything besides the longevity of these offspring like it's not talked about at all if this which has any vampire traits or anything like mm-hmm. that or how how they manifested vampire right. or witch or both in any of these it was just oh yeah i'm a witch but benjamin was my ancestor and i'm already 170 yeah and that's it yeah absolutely so I've just decided they're all going to live forever. It's going to be great. Um, And I haven't figured out how Sarah's going to also live forever, but that's just going to happen too. Oh, okay. Um, Mostly because I'm done with the characters dying and nobody told me how it really ended, so I get to make up my own ending. (laughs) I like that. Um, and while I'm making up my own ending, 
something's going to happen. Well, these, at least these two twins, maybe any future children that they have, but something's going to happen when these two twins are learning how to do magic and they're going to, they're, they're going to be the ones who bring back at least Emily and Philippe. Okay. Okay. I'd read yeah. that book. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I've just decided that's how it ends. Um, that's a great, do you idea. have anything else that you want to talk about? I don't think so. We covered a lot. Oh my gosh, I know. I, at the same time, I feel like we barely scratched the surface somehow. Like, mm-hmm. oh my gosh, these books were so good. I I loved it. Um, as I said to you, Alex, I think before we started reading this book for this week, I was very excited to read it because, of course, I wanted to know what happened. But I was also very sad. Um, and I'm feeling this very acutely right now. Um that this was the last first time that I'd ever read these books. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, and I'm, I'm feeling it. I'm feeling it. So I'm really excited for our series wrap next week. Cause I think that's going to help me move through it. Um, but process, as of right now, process all the feelings. Exactly. But as of right now, I'm very in my feelings about this. <laughs> <laughs> um, so you might find me crying later. Who knows? <laughs> Not you specifically. Anybody would find me crying later. Um, mm-hmm. Okay. Well, yeah, if that's it, then thanks everybody for joining us. You can find us on social media. We're on Twitter at uh, Uniquely Portable Magic Podcast um, at UPM Pod Official. We're on Instagram, Uniquely Portable Magic Podcast. And then you can email us at Uniquely Portable Magic Podcast at gmail.com. We'll see you next week. Bye.